Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. All right, we're back with another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. And today I've got Sydney Strader, who is the head of customer success at Catalyst. And she is coming to us live from a very small, sounds like very small town in Canada. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate you being here. First of all, Sydney, uh, hopefully you've been enjoying, you know, the small community and getting outside of uh, the big city for what seems like I was going to say a couple of weeks, but now a couple months. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to be here. Great to connect with you. And yeah, bringing the small town vibes. It's been uh, really refreshing to go back to my hometown roots out of the big city of Toronto. Although I feel like I'm a chameleon as I aspire to uh, make my way to New York, which also people are a little complex as to what the, what the meaning is behind that with so much craziness going on. But just rolling with the punches and very much enjoying uh, being in my hometown for the time being. Awesome. Well, uh, I know we were chatting before this and it was fun to, to listen uh, to your story a little bit about, you know, um, some of your career path and how you got here. Uh, so maybe let's just uh, kind of start there. Like how uh, it seems like in pretty quick transition and where you are to now, right? You've got this um, kind of head of title you at Envision, you were kind of a VP level. So how did you kind of make that transition quickly? I know uh, you've probably got a couple of different angles to attack that question, right? Of like, do you really want that position? Um, you know, what were the responsibilities like? Uh, how did you even, you know, get those, you know, how did you get those opportunities to kind of step up and, and take that? So I'll let you answer that in, uh, you know, whichever way, whichever angle you want to take, but maybe talk about that going kind of from individual contributor into uh, that manager and then eventually kind of that leader of the, the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so going way back now that it feels like in the day, like I fresh out of school, started in support. Um, and it was super interesting. So I had actually studied marketing uh, when I went to school, but I had this opportunity to join this like startup. I think it was like 12 or 15 people, first ever support person. I, growing up in the small town that I'm in now, did not know what the hell a startup was. Like I knew doctors and lawyers and teachers and folks <laughs> that worked at the local grocery store. And they're like, this is a startup. And I'm like, yeah, this is a startup. I don't know what the heck that means. But uh, ultimately what I realized through that opportunity was that I really did love the customer interaction, um, particularly like the problem solving component of support. But it was so funny that when they hired me originally, I was like, I really aspire to get to marketing because that's what I studied and I'm passionate about. And then they said, stay true to that uh, agreement. I got moved into marketing, lasted two months. And I was like, oh my God, I'm miserable. Can I go back to support? And they're like, yes, we desperately need you in support. Go back. And so I think that that was a really amazing kind of like early stage moment in my career that I was like, wow. Like you're not necessarily great at everything and like where your like kind of heart and mind goes is really such a strong indicator of what you should continue to double down and pursue. So I feel like that little like slight diversion over to the marketing world, like solidified, boom, it's customer success or bust in terms of like where my wheelhouse is. And that was a gift to have so often. So I think like literally over the duration of my career, it's just snowballed further and further and accentuating that piece. Um, and I think, you know, you, have amazing opportunities to work with folks. And I think that in every single interaction, there's data points there of like experiences that I was on the receiving end of that I definitely want to replicate and have more of, or like things I was like, Ooh, that wasn't cute. I uh, hope I never do that to anyone. And so getting exposure to different folks, different styles, I think has really helped uh, influence just like me taking all of the good and consciously packaging that into like the SID package that you get in your role um, and just continuing to build off of that. At Envision, it was definitely where like, you know, kind of rubber hit the road and it was just this untraditional trajectory from, from CSM to VP in under two years, very, very short period of time. Um, and I think that, you know, originally I started in the CSM role. That was a conscious decision leaving uh, Influitive to go to Envision and start back in a CSM role. My life uh, was kind of imploding at that time and, you know, going through a divorce. And I really needed to just like 
dial things back to the basics and take care of me and figure out how to have a rigor and discipline for myself and taking care of myself that would allow me to do that. And I felt that I couldn't manage a team as much as that was by far the most fulfilling role I'd had in my career up until then, uh, until I was able to get a handle on that. So I consciously joined Envision as much as they were like, hey, Sid, how about you do take this manager role instead of this IC role? And I was like, actually, I'm going to aspire to get there, but we need a first little time out for me to reflect and learn. And I don't think that's going to happen overnight. I need time. So um, joining Envision as a CSM was amazing because I got the opportunity to one, reset my like just kind of boundaries and rhythm for myself as a human, but it also allowed me to like build relationships with our customers, understand what their challenges were, understand where the opportunities were, get a sense of like the business and how we were showing up for our customers. And as I had time to like catch kind of my rhythm in that capacity, I also had this like earning to get back into management. It was about eight months before I was like, okay, yes, back into management role. I'm missing this. Um, but it was taking all of those learnings and then bringing them to that management role. But this is kind of ties into another thing that we were chatting about, which was when I went from IC to manager, that was a big shift because the team that I managed at Influitive, everyone was you know, relatively new in their careers to customer success. It could not have been more opposite at Envision. Everyone had light years of experience over me and they're like, yeah, who is this Sid gal that's getting promoted to manage the, like, the team that oversees our most strategic accounts? And you know, that was an interesting one because everyone's like, oh gosh, is she gonna sink or swim in terms of like, you know, everyone's kind of poo-pooing on her out of the gate, even though you know, she's had a good track record as a CSM. And so that just like, you know, my approach was just having a very transparent conversation one-to-one -one with everyone, which is like, look, I know you're an amazing CSM. As a peer, I witnessed this and these areas of strength. That said, the value I'm going to bring is not going to critique you to be a better CSM. You're incredibly well-rounded. You got here and Vision has a very high bar for the talent of customer success professionals. But I have to believe there's something that I can bring to you of value that's going to make us an amazing team together. And like success for me is that you are incredibly successful. So talk to me about the best managers you've ever had. Talk to me about the worst managers you've ever had. What is it if you were to describe that Sid is the best manager you've ever worked with, what is it that I'm doing? And that through each of the individual conversations started to form an opinion and a perspective of like how I needed to show up on behalf of this team to be the best manager. And a lot of it was blocking and tackling up the business. Um, it wasn't, you know, getting on calls, shadowing, critiquing, like nitpicking by any means. In fact, I probably would have sent them in the other direction. It was literally like, Sid, get ahead of the headwinds that we expect to incur so that we can focus on doing our job. And so that really triggered the like, in order to do that and solve for that, I've got to go cross-functional. I've got to build relationships in sales, in marketing, in product, in engineering, really span the business and build those relationships to understand and anticipate what future headwinds my team could incur that would ultimately cause challenges there for them and get ahead of them and resolve them and then communicate back to my team that that was done. Otherwise, they may perceive that like, oh, you know, we didn't know if we didn't know. Um, so making sure that that was there. So honestly, like that was kind of the model that I just continued to replicate over and over again. And as I, you know, continue to lean into that model, I think another like area of strength is I'm very passionate about like culture um, and collaboration. And so that was definitely something that was perceived highly by the leadership team and something that a lot of folks, quite frankly, were just kind of seemed to be more shy about talking about. I was not shy about talking about it. And so I think between that and how I, you know, overcame the challenge of managing a team that was far more senior than I, opportunities came up. I was the director role, then it was the VP role. And 
it was just kind of like apply the same model in these opportunities of like managing, you know, a lot of dynamics, um, you know, keep your eye on ultimately the outcomes you're trying to drive, have accountability in the motions that you expect of the team to operate against and, you know, really lean into recognition, um, recognizing those who are doing incredibly well and the specificity behind that recognition so that everyone, you know, kind of leans in and goes, oh, that's what great looks like. And also being really constructive and saying, you know, here are areas we have for improvement. Here's what improvement could look like. Let's brainstorm that further. And these are the outcomes I think we could drive as a result of it. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that I want to pull out of that answer because there was like, you hit on multiple things that were really, um, that I love. Like the first point that you made. So um, funny, I went to school for finance. Uh, I wanted to go, I wanted to go manage people's money. I wanted to be a financial broker. Right. And I like got I basically did an internship uh, and kind of get, did some part-time work right after college, figured out that was not for me. And I, to your point, like I did a very similar transition. And I think that was um, helpful in my career as well. The uh, there's a couple of points though that I really felt like I wanted to pull out because I, I often feel like they're not often talked about, which is managing is very different than being an individual contributor and you have to be, and I think you've talked about the transition in a couple of different ways, which I really enjoyed, but the most recent way you were just talking about that around going and figuring out, what do you, what do you need in order to be successful and going to those individuals, right? Like there's a difference when you're an individual contributor, you're a lot more worried about your own results and outcomes, but now you have to look at the team's outcomes and results and that becomes your barometer for success. And so um, not everyone communicates the same, not everyone responds to, um, you know, responds to positive or negative reinforcement the same. Like there's so many different challenges that you have to work through as a manager. And I think sometimes people just immediately have it in their minds like, oh, the only way I can move up my career is go from individual contributor to manager. Um, you know, hopefully that's not the case because there should be individual career paths that your, your company has for you. But I love the point that you made, which said you had done some management and you realized like I, that is really fulfilling to me. Like that I realized that I'm good at that. Uh, my team was successful. I was successful. And that was fulfilling to me. And I think that's the first question that people sometimes miss. I think they just think, oh, that's the track. So I have to go be a good manager. And I think management, you know, can be learned. But at the same time, like there is some innate skills that you just have uh, that can be help you be successful in that role. So I really loved um, how you talked about that. And the other piece that I thought um, was great was um, you mentioned being a CSM and kind of kind of resetting when you went to Envision gave you a glimpse into the, into what customers challenges were on the very front lines because you had like you were there listening to those customers. And I imagine that's stuff that you pulled out as you moved up into a manager role and as you moved up into a VP, right? Like you had these experiences that said, hey, I know what customers are struggling with. I was on the phone with them for eight months. I was dealing with, you know, this and that with them and seeing where they were struggling in the product, in their own processes, in the way that they were rolling things out. So uh, those were a couple of things that I felt were just were really great that I love that you mentioned in there. Yeah. And on the latter, I think not only did it give me a, a perspective and a lens on our customers and uh, an authentic one, one that's not like, you know, broken telephone, second string, third string kind of perspective. Yeah. Um, but it also made me relatable to the team as I went through these different positions because I could speak to, hey, you know, when I was on a call with this customer and got blindsided by this, this is what I learned. This is what I, you know, you could do differently. And so it gave me a lot more experience that was not far off of like, you know, time frame relative to, to the role that they had, um, which I think helped a lot. It definitely allowed me to build a strong empathy for the team, um, you know, the customer success team and the challenges that you have being on the front lines and to have like both the, the empathy for them, but also like the drive and the perspective and a leadership role of what I want the team to ultimately be able to achieve. I think how you position as a leader, that vision of where you want to take everyone, if you can boil it down to the language and make it relatable to the person based on the role that they have and how their role plays into the bigger vision, you get like that momentum shift uh, far faster than going like, everyone get on board, here's our vision. No idea how it quite relates to you, just get on the, get on the train and sleep in the station. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, just being at uh, Higher Logic for the last eight or nine weeks, I think I've, again, going from our consulting world for the last three years, right? You kind of come back into an operational role. And I think that is, uh, that is something that you still underestimate on every turn is that culture matters way more than you think. And getting people shaping the ideas that you have and helping people understand the vision and seeing that, writing it down on paper, being able to articulate that across, you know, multiple departments. I love the way you mentioned that earlier too. Um, that becomes, I mean, again, like I love the way you put this, right? Like that becomes part of you as a manager's role is like, you need to be going to shape these ideas and this vision so that not only your team understands that, but then all the other teams that you're engaging with or that could be interacting with you understand that as well. And yeah. that's where you become most, most valuable to your team because you're out there um, you're, you're out there kind of fighting in the trenches with, with your own team, not in a bad way, but in a good way to say, um, Hey, you know, like, here's the way that we're operating on, you know, on our team, here are the things that we're doing. Here's our charter. Here's why we're doing these things. Um, here's how we're going to go engage our customers. Here's what you can expect from us. Um, because that should set the pathways for them then to have those right communication channels open, uh, for them to pull in the right resources to certain, you know, customers that we need to. Um, and I just know that that I often think people underestimate how hard that is to go do that day in, day out, repeat yourself as, you know, uh, I used to have a boss that would just come in and like, he would, you know, uh, it's like hammer it once, hammer it twice, hammer it three times until it's like, you know, really good. You have to keep just reinforcing some of those things all the time. It's true. I think someone said like, when you're annoyed of hearing your own voice saying the same thing over again, you know, you're doing a good job. And I'm like, yeah, I totally feel how annoying that is, but it's so true. And I think the other thing that's super interesting and that I'd encourage like folks to think about is when you are, you know, going cross-functional, first of all, I don't think it requires you to be in a management position to do that. I think that that was actually something that when I was in my IC roles, like I, it was where I naturally gravitated, but I think it ultimately had a very big influence on why I got management type opportunities um, because of those cross-functional relationships. But in customer success, you're in such a unique position because you hold like the keys to the kingdom. Everyone needs something tied to the customer. At the end of the day, every single department within an organization, and you hold like the power in a lot of ways and access to that information. Uh, and so I think like if you position yourself as like, look, hey, I'm in customer success. Tell me a little bit more about like what your priorities are. What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you want access to or don't feel you have the information to in relation to our customers? And I think like that's why, you know, Catalyst was definitely a super big attraction to me when I was evaluating opportunities. It's like their whole mission is to bring customer success to the center. I've been a part of many customer success teams where the CSMs are like elbows up, no way in hell someone from marketing was talking to my customer. And I'm like, okay, this is so backwards. It's not even funny. Like in order... <laughs> First of all, you should be thanking marketing that they want to talk to your customer. And two, you should be asking marketing, how best can I help connect you to the right customers, understanding what it is that they're trying to achieve. So I think that there's definitely a shift uh, in, you know, customer success as a whole to understand just how powerful this function within an organization can be and how critical it is that they partner so strongly with these different functions within the organization to ensure everyone's working in lockstep with the whole outcome of driving a better customer experience, which should in turn fuel your growth of your business. Yeah. And it's, it is, I love the elbows up analogy. I just like imagine like a basketball court where you're just like yeah. backing somebody down you're like, no, oh, like not here. <laughs> um, so, uh, so it totally relates, relates to my mind, but it is, you know, again, I love the way you position that. Right. Cause I think of managers different as leaders. You don't have to have a manager title yeah. to be a leader. And so like leadership can come in various different forms, but generally the way I think about it is like, you can convince people to 
like get on the train with you like that. You know, when you, when you're a leader, you don't need a manager title to do that. It doesn't have to be, you know, this huge, big initiative. It can just be a couple of people where you're just like you said, going around and saying, Hey, I've got some unique information about customers that I know that you don't necessarily get a, a glimpse into every single day. So how can I package that up in a way that's going to be beneficial? And then can I go convince more of my team members to do that? And then also convince my boss that that's a great thing to do. And we're going to package that up and pass it over. Right. So I can just start small, but I love, I love that. Um, the way you put that, how, you know, when you were thinking about taking this role at catalyst and even just, you know, in, in some of your roles, I know you've been a, as an individual contributor, manager, leader. Um, how do you prevent some of the customer success managers from getting burnt out of, all the customer calls you have to do, interacting all the time, potentially both positive and negative situations with customers, having playbooks to run, uh, having your own to-do list, yet also having you know priorities set by the business, and like all these kind of things that just kind of compete or float around you, you know, in terms of your customer success manager role and helping to just keep your team focused on customer outcomes. Just hey, we're doing the right things. We're making a difference in our customers. We're passionate. We're in this right, you know, we're kind of in the right headspace to to go accomplish these things. How do you? Uh, I'm imagining that you know you're going to bring culture back into this. Uh, at some point, but how do you, yeah, you know, how do you think about well that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, that's where we're going to start. Uh, definitely. <laughs> like I actually did this with the catalyst team, uh, customer success team a week or two ago, which was like, let's start us with our vision. Like what as a team do we want to be remembered for? What is our purpose? How do we want customers to describe how they interact with us and what that experience was to them? Because, and I literally just posed those questions and was a scribe for 30 minutes. Um, I didn't say a word. I know they're all highly intelligent people. I know they all you know strive for the very best and so I just sat back and I scribed and it's really interesting to see that team culture and dynamic start to form but they built our vision I literally you know followed up 30 minutes later and goes here's everything I heard does this effectively capture the vision of the team that you want to represent that you want to you know show up for every day that you are like jazzed and excited and like raring to go to represent what it is that that we produce relative to, to this vision and so I think that that's where it starts. If you help everyone buy into what it is that we're ultimately trying to achieve, what our purpose is, what our vision is as a collective group, everyone can then use that to like gauge what is it that I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis and is it aligned to where we're trying to get to? Because if it's not, and that's often where that like hamster on a wheel mentality comes from, it's just like, I'm taking calls, I'm signing renewals, I'm kicking off customers, and it's just like, like just literally a hamster on a wheel, but no one stops to go like, why is it that we're doing this? And when we think of adding more, it's often very like CSMs, I think generally speaking, this is broad brush, but like are very creative people with the best of intentions. But sometimes that's like also our Achilles heel because we have a whole lot of really cool, fun, exciting, feel good things. And you're like, is that or is that not actually impactful? Is it or is it not actually getting us to our vision? And I think that that's a great coaching opportunity to help the team consistently be evaluating what is it that you're doing? Why are you doing it? What is the outcome that it's driving? And if it's not a positive outcome, why the heck are we continuing to do it? So I think that it does always start with a vision. I think another piece that's super critical, <laughs> excuse me, critical is helping everyone understand how their day-to-day -day actions and activities are fitting into their bigger picture. When it goes back to like kind of the standard questions that I asked is like, you know, I had this call with, with Kyle on our implementation team. It's like, Kyle, what do you want to be remembered for um, here? And also, if you think of the future story you want to tell, like, what is that story? When Kyle shows up in, you know, the next opportunity that comes up for Catalyst, like, what do you want to be able to say you bring to the table because of your experience? And where are you relative to that vision of what you have today? And I think that when you put people in the driver's seat of like, hey, 
these are areas I want to develop. Here are things that I'm super excited about. Ultimately, I have this like general idea that I want to go in this direction. Then you can start molding the pieces of the puzzle together, which are the opportunities that they haven't yet had a shot at, that you can give them the shot at and then coach them through. And I think that that's the key to like a manager and a leader in, in the state is like, you have to understand and help your team understand at an individual level how their role and day-to-day actions and activity fit into the bigger picture for the team and the company, but also for them as a human in their own path for growth and development and success in their career. Yeah. I mean, you have to personalize it, right? Like you have to make sure that everyone understands their, their impact and their role. Um, hopefully I didn't look rude, but I was looking at my computer because we just did the same exercise as a leadership team. So Jay is our chief customer officer. And so he's got, you know, all these functions rolling up into him. Um, and so he went with our leadership team and said, Hey, like as an entire customer experience organization, like what, what do we want to be? What's the purpose, right? Like how do we help go tell people? And then this becomes, uh, so he does, a, he actually does a weekly update every single Monday to our team. Uh, Cause it's quite big now. So he just does a video update less than 10 minutes, but it's, Hey, here, I'm trying to give you an insight, insights into the business of things that we're trying to drive. And uh, what he's going to start doing is basically leading off and ending with that purpose of, Hey, you know, we're going to reinforce this. And this is, this is for all of us. This isn't just something that we, you know, threw together willy nilly. Like this is, this is something that we want to make sure that everyone feels and that this becomes like our driving ethos here. Um, And so I was going to look up ours um, because you just reminded me of it. And it's, I I love the exercise though, because it, again, uh, I think, again, sometimes when you start thinking about managers and management, uh, some of these exercises might feel hokey at times. You're like, oh yeah. my gosh, does this really matter? Like, do we really need this? But then once I think you start to see the team buy into it, that's when the moment clicks where you're like, yes, this is absolutely worth it because, you know, now we have examples in Microsoft Teams is what we use. We have examples in team chats where people are saying, oh my gosh, like this fits within our purpose. And like, oh my gosh, you're really living like the ethos of like what we want to do, which is drive meaningful relationships with our customers. And, um, you know, like that at the end of the day is like what it's all about. If you can start moving the needle just a little bit, um, and those things matter. Like that's just the thing yeah. I've always learned over time with sports teams, with successful businesses, the culture at the end of the day matters so much more than you think. And you know, those exercises, those trainings that you're going to go through as managers, like all that stuff really starts to make a difference when you buy into it and you can start to see that start shaping how your team is starting to look at those things. Yeah, totally. And I think once we had the, the vision lockdown, the next step is like, how, how do we see ourselves showing up? And it was so interesting because as we were going through the exercise, everyone aired on the side of the customer, like how we show up to our customer consistently. I was like, how do we show up to our peers? How do we show up to our teammates in product and engineering and in sales and in marketing? And all of a sudden, like, that's where Rachel, the CSM on, on our team, you know, said like, I've seen so many CSM teams where CSM's literally like blocking other folks from, you know, getting access to customers. She's like, we will not be the team that ever is a blocker. We will encourage, we will recognize, we will like bring other people on willingly to our customer calls or to talk to our customers. And so you started to see these values around like, how do we ensure that we are like the absolute strongest teammates? And when we have like an internal strength and we're all in lockstep with one another, it absolutely exudes onto the customer, uh, that feeling of like alignment and consistency and partnership and unison, which definitely sustains that trust that customers have when they first saw and it's what you want to be able to continue to achieve uh, and not lose throughout the duration of their their experience with you. Yeah, um, I love that. Uh, and that's, again, I, th- I think the, the more that you can get that coming out in like every interaction too, just externally as well as internally, it just, uh, again, I think you can start to feel the difference and, and people start to know like the, it's almost like you'll start to recognize like, 
what was it like before? What was it like after, right? Like you can yeah. kind of start to recognize that moment where uh, people kind of bought into that. Well, I know we've got you for only a few more minutes, but um, I know we wanted to touch on kind of one final topic, which I feel like is, is often debated, talked about, you know, is uh, the, the dreaded like commercial responsibility of, you know, should CSMs- The annual stand, boxing match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, should, should the CSMs, you know, should they have this commercial responsibility? Um, should they, you know, should they not? How do they, uh, how do they potentially play a role in the renewal and or upsell cross-sell? Um, so maybe give, give some of your thoughts here and then I'd love to share um, with you maybe something that we're going through right now that uh, would just be interesting to, to hear your opinion on. Yeah, totally. So I think, um, you know, my perspective on this is the renewal motion is just like a habitual thing at this point in time. It's the way everyone's done it. So everyone just continues to do it and goes like, how can we do it the best? Uh, but no customer has ever said, I'm going to renew because that was the best renewal discussion I've ever had in my life. Like, <laughs> not one customer have I ever in my 10 year career so far heard anyone say like, because of that, I'm a, for sure. I'm a keeper. Like we're I'm in. You got okay. me. Yeah. Yeah. Just like soul. Where do I Hook, start? Line, sinker. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> not. So for me, it's not a matter of, is it sales? Is it customer success? Is it, you know, this new renewal management motion that's getting some more and more traction? Blow the whole thing up. How about you're transparent with your pricing? How about you're transparent with the usage of your product relative to the pricing so that people have predictability to be able to budget accordingly? Because that's often a challenge. And how about it's not even a negotiation? How about you literally just send the invoice based on the usage that you need and that's it? There is no massive who gets to do what. If you think of all the time that someone in sales or customer success or a renewal management team spends, the cost of the business, and again, no value add for a customer. Why? Like, help me understand even the business case associated with why there's logic behind having a renewals motion that is not rooted in transparency and based on automation. And so for me, I, that doesn't mean that I don't believe customer success managers should have metrics and ideally compensation tied to the lagging indicator of their performance, which very much is retention and expansion. Uh, and a net dollar retention model, I think is a great target. And they also want to feel like the fruits of their labor, like they've worked so hard with, you know, from the day the customer signed onwards that, you know, they want to feel like, wow, I did a great thing. And, and there's that recognition associated with it. But you know, the boxing match that happens annually, sales going to take it, you know, renewals this year, or is, you know, CSMs, I think it's a completely unnecessary dialogue and discussion to have. And I think if you solve for transparency and pricing, transparency and usage, we could reallocate those resources to things that customers actually say correlate with why they would continue to use the product. I love it. Uh, and I love the stance. Like I, I think that's why to me, like when you look at some of these product led businesses, you start to see how that really starts to take shape, right? Like I Calendly, uh, you know, it's like product led, there's, you know, there is now probably an enterprise sales team, but for the most part, it's like, here's the price, here's what you pay, like, here's your credit card, you just go forward. And like, when you need something, it will be there, right? There's like the, there's proactive, um, there's proactive elements to what they're doing in terms of customer success. Um, but at an individual level, I don't need that much. Uh, but I love the idea of where if you create transparency, like, to me, the, the biggest thing that this rings true too is like this authenticity where as a, as we get more of these B2B exercises, companies, you know, buying experiences, whatever you want to call them. Um, we need to start adopting some of the B2C principles where you start to get some of that, right? Like I know how much I'm going to get charged for my Apple subscription to whatever app I'm buying, right? Yep. Right there. Pretty transparent. It says, Hey, you're going to get charged monthly. Here's what it is. Hey, I even gave you a nice screen now where you can go manage all those in one application. See, you know, how much I'm charging you. Um, you can cancel them at any time, make it easy and easy out. And um, I think the more that we have those B2C experiences that 
product teams and B2B teams and anything on the, as we get back in this other spectrum is going to have to start moving in that direction because we're just going to demand it as consumers. Uh, like I enjoy that buying experience way more than I enjoy this B2B one. And so uh, whatever it takes for me to get over to more of a B2C experience, I'm going to try and do that as much as possible. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, definitely a great call. It's like replicating the B2C model, which easy, efficient, straightforward, no hassle, no time, like all the yeah. things that we we're, we're craving these days. So more of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, what we are doing, well, just to give you a glimpse, what we, um, so we've tried to come in and do a lot of listening and learning in our first 60 days. And one of the things that we figured out was um, our CSM team is spending somewhere between 30 and 40% of their time on renewals. And yeah. pretty quickly, what we just said was, uh, at least for the interim, we're just going to move that to a renewals team because that is a ghastly amount of time that we're just wasting on just to your point, right? On this yeah. rudimentary, very cyclical and also very predictable. Like this should be like, we understand the ins and outs of this. Like we're going to, uh, we're going to essentially, you know, have an opportunity. We're going to give them an invoice and or a contract for that. They might have some red lines from their legal team. Something might happen. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to get that thing signed. It's going to go over the line, but generally that's how it's going to move through. And so uh, in the interim, we're trying to take it almost an intermediary step uh, to what you mentioned, where let's at least get it over to a renewal manager. So that 30 or 40% of time for the CSM goes back into value for the customer. How do we get more proactive? How do we get them best practices, get back into just delivering as much value as possible. Um, and then eventually trying to figure out how do we continue to minimize that even further on the renewals team, right? How do we make, make that as easy and seamless as possible um, so that again, the customer also just doesn't feel like it's something that they have to worry about. Right. Like, I think that's something customer, like now it becomes a big thing. Cause they're like, Oh, I have to go through this renewal. Like it's this big exercise, but it really should just be like, how do we just continue to keep planning? How do we just continue to keep moving? And like, this just works itself out. Like it's just going to go on. Like we know it is. So. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. We had the same realization when we started to look at the data um, at Ambition in terms of where our customer success team was spending their time. And it, it landed at around 40% uh, on renewals. And we're like, again, no value, right? In that motion, I think to your point, a lot of the organizations who are more established, were at a little bit of a more unique situation at Catalyst being earlier stage to have a little bit easier and flexibility, I guess, if you will, to say like, take a stance and build that structure. Obviously being in a more established organization, there's a lot more to maneuver. But I think like that intermediate step is a great first step. And I, I do think, you know, over time, we'll very much see the B2C um, motion as like the, the go-to uh, for all B2B businesses. Awesome. Well, Sydney, this has been really fun. Uh, I've gotten the chance, you know, enjoyed this uh, opportunity to meet you for the first time. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be seeing more of you uh, as we, you know, get into the community and um, get to interact with Catalyst more. But uh, I've enjoyed this and I love some of the insights. If we, if you could leave people with kind of like one, maybe actionable takeaway, I always try and end with something that is very actionable, but like, what's one of your, like, what's your one thing you, th you think somebody uh, could go and take and implement tomorrow, um, you know, or in the next week or two, we'll say. Yeah. I mean, I think on a personal level, like solve for you and what makes you most excited um, because like you will shine the most, you will have the most positive experience and impact on the others around you when you solve for that core. So be true to you, listen to your intuition, trust it, uh, don't fight it and see what happens. I love it. I love that uh, personal one too. I like that. Uh, well, Sydney, awesome. Uh, awesome to meet you. Appreciate it. If you guys are looking for Sydney, I know she, I've seen her on LinkedIn, uh, Sydney Strader, but uh, head of customer success over at Catalyst and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.